making bread from like it's anyways i'm obsessed with laura ingles wilder <laughs> i always have been i i would love to be a homesteader i totally idealize yeah. that that time in america when you really were working it was like subsistence farming was the goal and now we're like so far removed from that mentality of yeah. hard work and i am yeah. such a pampered princess like the moment shit hits the fan i'm gonna <laughs> have to take the cyanide pills i really am <laughs> yeah, i drink the kool-aid i can't survive oh i can't wait till this shit goes down i need oh. ac I see and yeah. i'm so white <laughs> it's amazing how many people are yeah. um stockpiling bullets but they're not learning how to load <laughs> 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 I'm and not, and, I'm and they're 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 taking care of the guns part, but they're not thinking about that fact that they're gonna want to hunt a lot more quietly. Oh. You know, and That's so true. anytime somebody wants to speak prepper with me, I, I'm a country kid. Let's talk. Let me tell you all the things you're fucking up. Oh, I'm yeah, not gonna. Yeah, <laughs> you are gonna survive. <laughs> Only the southern United States is gonna be around. I don't know if I'm gonna survive or not. I don't know if I plan on on tucking away somewhere. We'll decide based on what happens. I'm yeah. I have my whole I apocalypse mean. plan in play, <laughs> and you're welcome to join me. Mm. There's a house. It's a beautiful house, and it was built in the late 1800s. It survived the first earthquake and the second, really, if you think about it. It survived the, the earthquake of 89 as well, mm. and it is like a four-story, uh, beautiful Victorian home, and it has a basement and a backyard and a rooftop, and it's filled right now, and it's all refurbished and gorgeous with this flocked wallpaper and all these inlays and just this gorgeous banister. It's just amazing, like mansion. Jesus. But what's inside of it is lawyers. Oh yeah, lawyers, <laughs> motherfuckers from from Antioch or Walnut Creek, Danville. They ain't coming in in the apocalypse. That is my house now. That is my <laughs> you know house. Lawyers ain't coming back. Gonna put it on the rooftop deck. I'm gonna have a pigeon coop. I'm gonna be friends with pigeons. I'm gonna be like feeding them and petting them and then taking them off in the corner and murdering them and eating, eating them. I'm gonna have chickens in the back. I need some sniper rifleists on the, the roof. Digging pits out of apples. Now, going, I gotta make some more as fucking arsenic. I get the hell out of here. There are some scenarios where the only possible I answer that makes sense is crack open a beer and see the show. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, Fuck we that don't noise. know how it's all going to end. <laughs> no, we don't know. There are so many possibilities, yeah. and therefore there are so many possibilities on what I'm going to do about it. Yeah, I'm going yeah. yeah. to take – you're welcome to join me. It's it's on Eddie and, and uh, Van Ness. Uh, just over the, like the market line, uh, it's up on the, it's up on a hill, so it's great for sniper rifleists Ooh. to be able to keep people away. <laughs> I can say there's shot. a backyard. Or train me. There's there's a there's a there's a basement, so if we have to work with any of our own electrical, we've got a rooftop, so we can do solar. Are there uh, neighbors? Well, yeah, but Ooh. it's fine. It's fine. It's a big big old building, and I I think that we'll just turn it into a big like poly sex thing because everyone's gonna die anyway, so <laughs> we might as well just fuck our way out, right? <laughs> Like, <laughs> gotta start. Gonna human race starts here. we're going to stockpile all the DMT and all the Molly. <laughs> and we're just going to be like, start a podcast. 24 hour podcast. Get Joe Rogan in there. Get Joe Rogan in there. We entertain for like 13 hours. I know. Later. I can him for A lot of the, co the, uh, the Colorado mountains is being taken up by rich people building their 
their fortress, their bunkers. Yeah. You know? and New Zealand. The, they are preparing for when the poor rise up. Ah, but we're coming for you. Here is what they're not thinking about. Um, the housekeeper, the groundskeeper, they're on our side. Yeah. They have the gate codes. Like <laughs> they know the weaknesses to your security mm-hmm. system. I don't know. We're getting in. Have <laughs> well, you seen Parasite, though? They, <laughs> the poor fight against, we fight against each other. I haven't seen a movie in a long time. I am Parasite so, is about that. I, I am so driven the at comedy right now is that about, any time I take about a night that. off that's from true. performing, I'm going and watching other people. I'm supporting. Oh, oh, that's, that's you know, and I'm learning supporting from the, yeah. the people who are better than me. That way I can get where they are. And yeah, I, there you yeah. go. I'm, I'm the exact... I'm the opposite, I think, because I can't even watch a movie. I just have to smoke weed and go on Reddit and just turn my brain <laughs> off entirely. I feel bad. You're 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 Reddit you're Reddit obsessed. I'm That's just fine. I just have to turn off my brain after a day because I I know some comics like like as far as like I supporting my friends I always support my friends when I get invited to shows but like even watching comedy when you get home you know I feel like some comics they get home they're like oh I'd love to watch relax and watch a stand up special and some comics can't be around it at all you know to kind of relax and get away from things. Yeah, I definitely, when I unplug, I watch vapid, stupid things and yeah. usually fall asleep pretty yeah. quickly. Yeah. I'm addic- I find I'm addicted. I spend about six hours a day on marketing various um, things that I'm up to. Yeah, and but then I, I, mean, I hit the shows at, or the mics that night. But it's when you get home. So, for example, so like. Last I have no time. Yeah, but last yeah. night I got home at 11 and I, was, I couldn't fall asleep yet. Yeah. And so I've been watching. The Johnny Depp Sweeney Todd, mm. like in little snippets, I was I was yeah. in Sweeney Todd years ago. So I and I, I love that musical, and so I'm just watching. But I have to have at least 20 minutes where I just zone no out before yeah. I try to lay down and zone out. Because right. if I don't give myself that unplug time, then I'm just gonna lay in bed and be circularly thinking about every weird, stupid, that shitty thing I did. Yeah. That's yeah. what Tigger's yeah. for. Oh. Turn that brain yeah. off. I have that. Aww. He is yeah. a therapy dog, trust me. He yeah. makes sure. If I get too focused, he comes and gets me. Well, that's nice. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. yeah. I, still, I know. I need, We're I need, playing tug now. I need, you like, need to 20 minutes down. before I yeah. unplug for the yeah. night. Bef- or otherwise, I just... I lay there anyways. I'm addicted to TikTok. Right. That's mine. I just... Brain off. Yeah. Strolls, oh, strolls, my strolls. Phone I learned a TikTok oh, dance yesterday. They tried yesterday. to teach us the TikTok dance the, yesterday. The say-so one? My phone doesn't go in the bedroom unless I'm using it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we did it. We did and it. And then you get a, uh, the and a. I want to do wow. Renegade today. Too. Hey, I'm a 47-year-old woman pulling this weird shit. <laughs> like it's a weird language. I'm. I'm. I watched two kids on the on the train today talk to each other in this like dancing like and grunts and laughs and then just, just cutting their eyes. Jokes. Yeah, and it's weird. A whole conversation happened and I. Were you high enough to understand? No. Sometimes <laughs> this one time I took too much I took too much CBD tincture to try to like see what the to try to see what the, the parameters and the limits of CBD were. Uh-huh. So I took about like 150 milligrams of CBD tincture to no, the dome. Did it, does it do anything? Oh even? fuck yeah! Really? Did it. My point is that I was lis- I don't speak Spanish, and I was on the bus, and there were two people <laughs> there were two people fighting in Spanish, and I understood. Everything. <laughs> like there were little thought bubbles above their head with words <laughs> saying things. That I understood Spanish. I was so high, I understood Spanish. Then I was hanging out with a three year old, and I was like, fuck, I might be too high to hang out with this three year old. But I took him to a house where there was a cat, and the cat's friend had just died. And the cat started talking to us. <laughs> meow, meow, meow. The cat is meowing. 
And I'm speaking cat at this point, and the child is saying, what is the kitty saying? And I'm like, the kitty is very sad about his friend dying, and he's telling us. The cat is talking to the child, and I'm the interpreter, and I attribute this 100% to 150 <laughs> milligrams of CBD. That's and they say, amazing. oh, CBDs can't get you high. Motherfucker, you have not you done haven't had enough. enough. You have not <laughs> done enough. You will understand. It'll, it'll pull the veil off the whole world. Like, you're like, <laughs> you're ah. Sure it's, it's, well, exactly, because CBD. how long you're did so that last? Maybe I three like hours. Okay. Three, three hours. You're so present. That's the thing that happens with CBD. Like, you're so, the past doesn't, and that's why it works for PTSD. It the past doesn't so matter. Long. The future doesn't matter. It's all about the now. And then when you're in the now so hard, you understand things about the now that you never saw before. Like cats talking. To small children, understanding Spanish. I was a small out. child with with all the animal friends. I talk about that uh, more and more in my set, and um, I have no problem believing you and that cat had a conversation oh, because yeah. I had conversations with all my animals. Oh, I talk to my cats all the time. I, I can absolutely I, speak cat, even as much as I hated that freaking goat. <laughs> goats are great. I love goats. I love Not goats. when they're named Billy. Well, I love to eat goats. Because they're so unoriginal. I love, I, goat is probably my, my favorite meat. My name is meat. Billy Joe. No, Billy Goats. I know. Oh. The okay. goat's name was Billy. Like a Billy Goat? Mm-hmm. Like a Billy Goat. So to bring goats <laughs> back to religion, you don't why are goats so demonized and we call them satanic? I don't know. What is it about hooved animals that uh, are, you know, demonized a lot? Like pigs and, and that sort of thing, like. Right. Yeah, I, d I don't know. I really don't know. I've, I've never understood that at all. I mean, I understand how, like, the goat image with the Billy yeah, goat symbol it. works out with the five-pointed right, right, star. Right, right, five-pointed star looks like a goat, sure. I get that, but, I mean, I can see that about as well as I can see Orion's belt in the sky, but... Do we demonize the goat because they have, because <laughs> they have rectangular pupils and they look weird? Uh, that's a possibility. I don't know. What are goats. these two going on about? Know, something what about is goats. Ha something I'm is to happening? I understand the Billy Goat thing because I'm really oh. confused. <laughs> I explained to him that I hate being called Billy because that was the name of Bob's goat. Oh, and that's why you're Billy Joe. Yes. Right. Oh, okay. And okay. I don't, I don't think he's getting it. People confused me for the goat in my parents' stories. Oh wow! Oh. I hate that oh, goat. Is. Oh, that's oh, funny. Okay. You were the goat of all the stories. Ha <laughs> ha! Uh, <laughs> greatest of all time. <laughs> I got blamed for eating things. everything. Ha <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Makes people sense. just did not understand. They're so, like, <laughs> and and this is something people don't understand, and this has goes back to science: is that if we could just feed goats weed and then steal their breast milk, we could make we could put THC into goat cheese. And I don't know why we're not doing this yet, Davis. <laughs> you see, Davis. You dummies, why can't you get on this? I want it. Does it? You can put THC into cheese really easily. Yeah, but you can also do it through that. You could use through the, the, through the animal. So if oh. you took all of your trash weed, if you took all of your stems and all of your bullshit and you fed it to sheeps or sheep, I'm sorry, sheep or goat, goats, a herd, whatever. Shepherds. Um, with you, they lactate and you milk them, all of the cannabinoids come out in their in their excretions that would make then, some amazing manchego right yeah, exactly. that really would. <laughs> I just don't understand. this is one of like my million dollar ideas and i'm like why is i'm not the smartest person alive somebody's got or has to have already thought of this and because it, it 
There's oh, been somebody? studies about breast milk and THC and why it goes, it, it leaches through and you can't get rid of it because it's fat soluble and it, it's 22 days in your system. So you shouldn't like smoke pot and breastfeed a child yeah. because you're totally giving your child cannabinoids yeah. and they can retard certain things about their growth. Mm. And, but we can take, if we know that that works, then the transitive property is that it works with animals. So why aren't mm. we feeding all of our ruminant animals motherfucking weed? True. That's a good idea. That's the that's the that's the long game right. for edibles. Dun, dun, there you go. Yeah. yeah. High quality oh, yogurt like with weed. Oh my it god, is. ice cream. Yes. Oh. Yes, we need instead ice cream. of having to add the weed to a fat and then add that to your ice cream, you could just go straight from the source. And it's oh, no. the oh. weed goat. The weed goat. Yeah. So that will the goat be hella high all the time? I I don't know goats, because you're they are always it. looking for the highest point. Ah. I mean, we figured out that we can feed. <laughs> we figured out that we can feed coffee to goats, and it makes it a decaf. Like it's processes through the goats, they poop out the beans, and the beans are decaf. Because you get the goats high, because you give all the goats your precious mm. caffeine, losers. Yeah, I know, right? I wonder. All right, uh, this has been the first half of Subcolby Tim. We did it. <laughs> uh, I was joined by Billy Joe Gillespie, April Gallaty, and Aaron Atkins. We're coming Ooh. back in the second hour with Lee Cox. We're going to find out what he believes in. And stay tuned with us. We have 12 hours every day of comedy programming for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2020. Please join us tonight at El Rio. Doors at 8.30. Show is at 9. It's being hosted by the amazing Polly Pop-Tart. And it's going to be a really fun show. It's going to be great. Lee Cox is actually on that show as well. So, hey, stay tuned. Oh, and so is Aaron Atkins. Hello. Hello. Mm -hmm. uh, stay tuned, and we'll be back with more stuff. your boy Sifo here, here to let you know that the 5th Annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival is March 1st through 7th, 2020 with special podcasts and comedy shows 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. all week. Get your tickets now on Eventbrite. Just search Mutiny Radio and get ready for 76 comics from all over the U.S. coming for 66 programs in 7 days all here at 2781 21st Street in the heart of the mission. Or if you can't be with us, listen live or podcast from anywhere in the world at www.mutinyradio.fm. Join us March 1st to 7th for these amazing events. What kind of a future? Law Tigers, we fight for motorcyclists. We're not just motorcycle lawyers, we're part of the riding community. Law Tigers watches over riders. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, we'll help you get your motorcycle repaired or replaced and assist you with your damaged gear, too. We're by your side every step of the way. With the Law Tigers, you never ride alone. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, call 1-800-LAW-TIGERS or visit us on the web at lawtigers.com. The Law Tigers, California's motorcycle lawyer. Dr. Davis, Harris Law Firm, LLP, 185 Circle, Suite 300, Sacramento, California, 
Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for Let's Watch a Full Length Movie on YouTube. We watch the best movies that, uh, aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by uh, Here's you. his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch What's happening? This is your boy Rob Edwards. I'm here to tell you about the fifth annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. It's March 1st through the 7th, 2020, with special podcasts and comedy shows 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. all week long. Get your tickets on Eventbrite. Just search Mutiny Radio and get ready for 76 comments from all over the U.S. Coming for 66 programs. When you hear the trippy music, you know what time it is. I'm your host, Pam Benjamin. We're here at Mutiny Radio for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2020 special second edition of Some Call Me Tomb. I I timed it out again wrong. Here we go. Tomb. There we go. Some Call Me Tim. I am joined by Lee Cox out of Portland, Oregon. Correct. Yes. And uh, April Gallaty's back. Uh, on, the, on the on the okay. Uh, so uh, with some call me Tim, I usually have people look first deeply into the eyes of Sparkle Jesus, and I ask you, do you believe in Jesus? I see value in the Christ myth. Mm, this is a good answer. You see value in the Christ myth because it. Um, I just think it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good metaphor. The idea of um, 
death re- leading to rebirth, leading to uh, redemption. Yeah. Uh, and in in uh, but not just death like real death, but in little deaths in our lives, like yeah. learning about how to accept loss and yeah. then move on, kind of well, thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I kind of I, I kind of think any amount of growth is kind of a death, right? Oh. If you're if you're learning to do something new, the past version of you is now dead. Like the oh. If you're if you learn to forgive yourself or something like that. The, the version of yourself that wasn't able to do that is now dead. You're a new person. Right. Because your outlook determines who you are. Yeah. And therefore, if you change your outlook, you've changed who you are. Yeah. The old version of you is dead. I think we kind of yeah. remake ourselves every day. Ooh. And so the idea of, like, rebirth and redemption through rebirth, through death and things like that, I, I think it... I think it's a good myth. Well, what do we need redemption from? Our pasts often. I mean, hopefully we're growing as people and becoming, you know, better people to the world. And so I, I think that there is some there is some need for redemption there. And I, I, I th- also just think that guilt is a very common thing as a human being. Like, the more that you learn about yourself, just like even going from childhood into, like, a teenager and learning about like the birth process like that idea of original sin makes sense to me because like just putting our mothers through what we put them through is like i think we have some redeeming to do over that sure what's the worst thing you ever did to your mom is when you when you were a kid oh boy i don't i don't know i don't want to put that on the radio okay fair 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 yeah i was like no way i slapped my mom once when i was 17 (gasps) i regret that yeah yeah yeah, over something stupid too. I think it was over like TV or something really dumb, yeah. like something really mundane. I mean, it's a tough time. I, I work with uh, teens. I work with teens, and like, yeah, no, it's a it's a tense, emotional, like dramatic time, and it is that it is those little things that come to represent like all the feelings you've got inside for yourself, and you put that out onto other people, and it's like, yeah, it could be some minor little thing about TV, but it's like. In that moment, it was everything. In the moment, it was, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Redemption. Uh, are people inherently good or inherently bad? Um, I don't think I have a good answer for that. I, I, you know, people are just kind of people. Um, but babies will lie to you. Yeah. Like small children. They'll it, do something and they'll lie to you. Does that mean that they're... Well, I mean, they're interested in self-preservation. Ah. So is that good or is it bad? Like, I mean, cancer is also interested in self-preservation. Yeah. Like, the, it's just part of uh, the nature of something that's alive. Typically, it wants to keep on living or keep on keeping on, you know? Sure. So you don't believe in, like, there's no religion that makes you a good person. You no. just are a good person because... Um, I mean, I don't... I don't I, I don't know if there's like necessarily a step-by-step guide to being a good person. <laughs> it's not the Bible. <laughs> no, Ten Commandments. Not the, probably not those. I mean, that's not a terrible place to start. Not w- killing people and things like that. Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. I mean, though I'm not really. I told you how not religious I am. I mean, those really were the first rules I ever got as a child. It's somebody laying it out like, "Hey, lying's bad. Lying to your parents is bad." And 
you know, killing is bad and stealing is bad, you know, and it's just a kind of a nice way to lay it out. So it's not a bad place to start, but... Yeah, I mean, children, the way that children learn and learn rules, it's, I think, more ethical with children to do kind of carrot stick learning as opposed to with adults. Because as, I mean, I think that's a big reason why people who were born into religious circumstances come to, like, really hate the religion is Mm -hmm. because they feel lied to a lot of the time. But the thing is, like, it's it's very helpful to lie to children like when you're trying to get good (laughs) behavior out of them or just pro-social behavior it's just helpful to be like hey do this and good things will happen for you and then you get older and you're like wait i'm doing good things and good things aren't happening for me like i think that's a natural process of getting older and i wish that religions did a better job of facilitating that transition from childhood into adulthood where you begin to question things were you raised religiously or were you how was that how was these kind of rules and laws brought into your life of morality? Was there an external one as a child? Um, No, I was raised in a pretty atheist household, um, specifically pretty anti-Christian household. Um, But I wasn't like, I wasn't really given any particular like set of rules to follow or anything like that. I just kind of, I don't think morality stems from religion. I think religion can be a good way of like culturally finding a people but i don't i don't think it's necessarily like a good way to learn morality oh. I, I think you can get that on your own pretty easily pretty it's pretty straightforward just be like hey you did a thing that hurt somebody else like that's be aware of that and like that's well, not necessarily a good thing and that there's the consequences when you hurt someone else if there's consequences and they let you know you don't want to do that again because you have an actual consequence for that sort of action yeah i mean uh, as a as a child that can be kind of a tricky situation because maybe you don't exactly care that you hurt somebody else Mm. um and sometimes that empathy comes a little later yeah like if uh. ever i mean there's some people who just don't have a ton of empathy in that in that regard and that's like unfortunate and that's I think where it does become valuable for a religion to be like, yeah, you're going to hell if you hurt people. And then people (laughs) who wouldn't otherwise care, they have that threat over their heads. And so I I see a value there just to keep people in line. Religion's a great way to keep dumb people in line. Ideally. I mean, but (laughs) ideally, like if you look at dumb (laughs) religious people, they're still not super in line with what the Bible is telling them or whatever holy book is telling them most of the time. But, you, you know, you cross your fingers and you hope. So if there's nothing, reli- like what, what hope do you have? What keeps you going? Like what's your belief, or is there one? Do you just why, why be? Why be? Um, I mean, I do have spiritual beliefs at this point in my life. Um, not beliefs, spiritual feelings. I think is more accurate than saying spiritual beliefs, if that makes sense. Sure. Do you, Do you think there's an afterlife? Hmm. Not as, not as such, not as we would like experience it, like passing through a pearly gate and looking around and there's clouds and things like that. Not really. Just so when we die, we're in the ground. That's it. Consciousness disappears. Everything else rots. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I, I take on the metaphor of like the wave, like what happens to the wave once it crashes, it just kind of goes back into the ocean. Oh, okay. That's a, that's a nice metaphor. Yeah. So you're like part of the froth and you go back into the big primordial yeah. swirl. I'm part of the froth. <laughs> uh, so you, you don't believe in an afterlife? Not so much. 
I mean, uh, well, I guess what matters for me is I. It doesn't. It, I don't care. It does. It doesn't. Uh. Ma- if there is one or there isn't one, it's not going to do me much good to be placing bets. So, top three on. things you care about. Top three things I care yeah, about. Yeah, sure. You said because I don't care about that. So, uh, if you don't care about what happens after, what are the three things that top three things you care about uh, now that make you go, yeah, here's something I'm uh, alive for. Um. Boy, it's hard to put into words, I guess, now that you've put it this way. Uh, top three things I care about. I'll, I'll say comedy, just because it, it would be weird not to, maybe. Yeah. Um, Fair. Growth. So, like, personal growth. Sure. That's a good one. And then uh, there's these uh, there's these crows that I feed around my house. So cool. I like them. Yeah. Rad. April, top three things. That, that you care about? Oh. It's a hard question. <sighs> I honestly am a very curmudgeon um, negative person. <laughs> but you've got it. There's stuff you care about. like I care about Damon. <laughs> your, yeah, so your husband. Yeah, I Great. care about my husband. One, cool. That's a cool thing. The, the cat and the ferrets. Yes! There you go. I'm That's so glad you said Yes, of course. I mean, yes. honestly, I like I really am one of those people who just has no like. Th- there's something about that familial bond where people are like my 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 sisters and my brothers and my cousins and all that. I just don't get that. I, I never have. Yeah. And I don't understand it. I'm yeah. gonna put cats and ferrets in one bundle, and yeah. you have to choose one more thing you care about. Comedy. Oh, great. Yeah. That's right. it. Yeah. All right. All right. Because it's weird not to, right? Because yeah. it's weird not to. Billy Joe. Top three things you care. Your kids, good. Tigger and comedy. Oh, great! Look, family, animals, comedy. What are your What are yours, Pam? I would. I'd have to definitely put my cats up there. (laughs) Uh, And um, I, I I mean, I'll be super honest. I care too much about uh, what other people think about me. Mm. (laughs) Don't we all? That's definitely up in the top three. (laughs) That I'm like, I care. I spend way too much brain space on that. And um, I know I I know I should say my boyfriend. Uh, <laughs> I know I should say I know I should say comedy, but I will go. I, I and I oh yeah I got I got cats up there. That's so funny. Uh, and I, I I mean I have to, have to say Mutiny Radio. That's the that's okay. probably the top three. Yeah, which encompasses comedy. I just had to make a bigger basket. Yeah. Uh, and uh, because I'm making a bigger basket, I'll say cats and boyfriend together as one because <laughs> they're all in the same household. Right, that family. Fa- yeah, so Because, I mean, family. I left my granddaughter out, but I yeah, my right. heart doesn't. Sure, right. exactly. So w- why do you think that we all chose animals to some degree? What is What do you think that is? Uh, uh, because animals have a capacity for empathy that people don't. like, mm. And also that they're innocent and blameless. Mm-hmm. Like You can never... I, I don't think you can accuse a cat of being racist. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I guess when, when compared against, like, the average person. But, I mean, yeah. a cat will eat you when you die. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know? Self-preservation. I expect it to. <laughs> yeah. And we're cool with that? Would, would we be cool Somebody with, like... Somebody needs to clean up the mess. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I think a cat eating you when you're dead makes more mess, probably, than you Maybe. just rotting. I really hope somebody figures out I'm Depends dead before my cat starts eating me, honestly, yeah. so she doesn't have to. Yeah. That's, I, that's also... <laughs> yeah. Well she probably that. wants to. She's been she waiting. probably... Waiting. She's just sitting around. Yeah. She nibbles me every once in a while. She's checking. 
<laughs> just making still? sure. Where's my food? Uh, but it's interesting that we all, well, that the three of us mentioned family. You didn't mention family. I don't have. Uh, I don't have much family. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not super close with them. Oh, all right. I'm not. I'm not super close with my immediate family. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm like, mm, you know. Yeah, it's actually um, an interesting thing that I'm kind of experiencing right now because growing up, I wasn't super close with my immediate family on like my mom's side and then recently my father died and i'm getting like a ton of uh like facebook message Mm. requests and friend requests from a bunch of people on my father's side (laughs) and it's actually like a pretty large extended family over there comparatively and they're all like being supportive of me and like reaching out and seeing if i need anything and it's very strange it is kind of uh challenging my definition of self like my own personal narrative because i'm used to just not having family and so now i have yeah so now i have all these people and it's a little bit of like what what do i uh, what do i do with you like i don't know how to i have a lot of love for for the family members that i am not in regular contact with and i would drop what i'm doing to be there for them Mm. because i have that love of family but yeah we're not super I, w- so I wouldn't drop I anything I for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah. you're going to come to one of my shows? That's what I'd do with your extended family. I'd be like, come see me. <laughs> come yeah, see right. me perform. Yeah. To watch my YouTube video. Give me some hits. Right. You want to be supportive. Right. <laughs> Put on they your Facebook have. that I'm funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Then. That's good if you have that yeah, kind of like. Um, to, but if I, if I had people reach out to me, that'd be the first thing that I would ask them to do. I'd be like, oh, you want to support like, me? Like Give money to Mutiny Radio. Yeah, like, <laughs> like and subscribe. Yeah, subscribe. Yeah to your youtube channel and then all of your funny funny things yeah but it kind of gets it's it's i i process a lot of things through or i have been lately through that christ myth thing that i was talking about and so i have this past idea of myself of somebody who just doesn't really have a family and now i'm like in a space where i kind of do and i'm having to integrate those two people wow yeah uh so do you read joseph campbell do you i do yeah oh rad big into him oh cool yeah yeah uh i've We've studied him in the hero, the myth stuff yeah. for many years. Archetypical yeah. characters. The I get really myth. angry with the crone. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, why we got to call her a crone or a witch? <laughs> like, Why can't it be like a little bit more woman positive? Yeah. I want to be the hero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't be. I can be the hero. Of course, we all are. Yeah. The crone is a hero. In someone's what is the old man called? What is the old man? Which one? Like the... the like in the oops. same... like. If there's like Dumbl- Albus Dumbledore? <laughs> well, no, but I mean, like, if there's this series of things like what we are throughout our lives, what are old men called? If we're called crones. Well, within, I mean, this isn't, it's it's not a personal Elders. thing necessarily, but I, I think it's a mentor is typically, I think it's oh, the mentor okay. role. You, mm. you might know more about that than I do. Because I, d- I never got too big into that aspect of the hero's journey. Well, it's all through Star Wars. Like, so I watched, uh, if you look at, it's like, and then it's so funny because he goes into the cave, even mm-hmm. all that kind of yeah. stuff with Yoda and yeah, then comes and out, meets his father, but it's really him. Right. And then, go, I mean, that whole, that whole Yoda in the cave uh, in um, Empire Strikes Back mm. is all yeah, like a hundred percent Joseph yeah, Campbell. And they're, they're open about that. Like they have interviews with George Lucas and Joseph Campbell and stuff. And it's oh, there, there, it's like, yeah, th- it is like, it is once I, I wasn't into Star Wars until I read Joseph Campbell, and like that's the aspect of Star Wars that I enjoy. Everything else is kind of yeah, like cool lasers. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. space opera. Yeah. yeah. Woo! Cowboys in space. Um, how long have you been 
studying the is it just recently that you've come up with that you've been looking at it since your father's death or this has been a thing for you for a while that it's you've studied um it's been I, I it took me probably like three years to get all the way through um hero with a thousand faces mm -hmm. and i i because i read it very slowly and i took a lot of it to heart um to heart and so that's been like that's been a big part of it and then the other big and other big pu puzzle piece for me in terms of my spiritual growth has been um, there was a paper by Cormac McCarthy who wrote No Country for Old Men. Oh, uh -huh. Yeah, it, it's a pretty short essay. I would recommend people read it. I think it's called The Kekule Problem or The Kekule Problem. And it has to do with, um, if you'd like to hear about it. Yeah, hell yeah. yeah. Um, so it has to do with when they were, I forget what the, uh, his name's probably Kekule. Um, they were trying to figure out an, uh, an atomic structure, a molecular structure. You, like, so when you're mapping molecules, you can find, um, based on the mathematics, you can find the shape of the molecule, basically. Uh, but he found this molecule, and he couldn't figure out the shape of it. He worked on it for months and months and couldn't figure it out. And uh, he went to sleep one night and had a dream of a snake eating its tail, that oh, classic symbol. And he sure. realized that this, the molecular structure was a ring aurora boris yeah and so cormac mccarthy the the essay is about like why did his brain choose to give him the answer this way because obviously it knew what the problem was the brain knew what the answer was but it didn't communicate it through language it used imagery mm. and it waited till he was asleep so why did it do this and his overall premise was that the subconscious evolved before language did and so it doesn't know how to use it. And oh. so a lot of the time that we're communicating with our subconscious or we're taking things in, it's through imagery and it's through metaphor. And so that's been a big part of my spiritual growth has been understanding that like language isn't always the best way to get to the bottom of things. Wow. It is often through like experience, through metaphor, through imagery and things like that. Do you have a dream journal? I don't really dream. So you don't get like pictorial, your much. body, your brain doesn't process it like that. I like to think that I just do so much subconscious work in my waking life that yeah. my brain doesn't need to, but that's probably not true. I'm just, I just, I'm not bad at dream, or I'm bad at dreaming. So then what are the signs and symbols that you're seeing and interpreting? Uh, it can be like any, anything, anywhere. I mean, you can look at anything and take meaning from it if you wish to like everything is metaphorical that that's kind of how i've been living my life for the past two or three years is just that anything if i need it to be is a lesson or a metaphor it Ooh. is about kind of opening yourself up to that and putting yourself in that kind of paradigm you're in the moment sometimes i try to be <sighs> it's yeah. not a bad way to live life <laughs> in the, in yeah the i mean we grow from every experience we have one way or another yeah, I've been. So, yeah, my I, I, I'm totally on board with everything he just said. Cool. My my lesson that I've been learning recently is that uh, when something happens, <laughs> that doesn't change. But the only thing I can do is my reaction to it. I'm not powerless over that. Like I used oh to sure. write it off. Like that's just the way I react, and there's no other way I can react because mm. that's just what happens. Mm. And then now I'm like, okay, I'm actually, I can take a. I can make a conscious choice yeah. to react in whatever way I want, and which is like it's uh, it's taken forty five years. Well, <laughs> it's a in long the south journey. and in, in small town, it, it's uh, you're better than that. Act like it.
Well, but and mm. that's the thing is, and I've, been, wrong, I've always been told that that kind of idea too, like, but that's an external way of saying like, act this way or you look weird, as opposed yeah. to internally saying, I have a choice of how I'm gonna react over right. this so that I can present myself in the way of my choosing. And that gives well, you- Well, in that we were taught that we have a choice, you know, and yeah. that we were choosing poorly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it just gives you a sense, of, a greater sense of control over your life, yeah. you know? Well, because most of my choices as a child, I was shamed into making a lot of my choices. Mm -hmm. So they aren't necessarily my own choice of my own behavior if mm -hmm. I'm shamed out of it. Yeah. As opposed to me choosing to not, you know, cry in that situation or fly right. off the handle or call someone a cunt face. Like, I don't have to do that. Yeah. Um, but sometimes you choose to do that. Like, I do choose to go to the atomic level sometimes. Well, and that's, I try to recognize that I'm like doing Hawaii. that. Because I usually... Yeah guilted away later and say I went atomic but I just couldn't help it but now mm. I'm trying to own that and be like well I chose to go atomic yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and if you're comfortable like living with the consequences of your actions and that's a that's a that's not a bad way of doing mm. things but usually by the time I've gone to that level I have weighed the odds and decided will this get things resolved even if it's not for me but for future people mm. I see what you mean or, or like my yeah. mom used to say, just the do something even if it's wrong. Well, yeah, you're, you're <laughs> picking a battle. You're literally yeah. picking a battle and saying, yeah. this is a battle I'm picking, and here uh -huh. I am. I'm going to die on this hill. I'm dying on this hill. And I, yeah, I'm making a choice to die on this hill. That's not usually what's happening with me. Usually it's like, I just, I'm like, ah, and then later I'm like, well, yeah. I have learning, paid learning. so much for that in the past that I'm finally past it. Well, I mean... <laughs> Life's like changing and growing every day. Yay. Uh, I used to make positive choices, though, because of the fear of death or hell or right. Jesus not liking me right. or getting. If my choice, if your choices are made because you're afraid of getting in trouble, mm. is it truly a choice? Or are you just, you know, that that's mm. when, I don't know, morality comes into play. Because you're not necessarily being moral. You're just following rules. Not yeah. because they attune to you personally, but just because. I get what you mean. It's it's in a lot of ways a big difference between the East and the West is the idea of like guilt being an immoral way of imposing morality mm -hmm. in the West. Whereas in the East, I, I think that that is more common because of more of a collectivist idea of, of culture and community. So the idea that like, yeah, shame your children into being good people because we are all one. Versus mm -hmm. in the West, it's very much like we, we are all individuals. And so the idea that the community has shamed me is like very wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's just something that I tend to notice. It like, yeah, that's something that I'm kind of on the lookout for. And I just find it interesting, the, the different ways that we look at um, culture from a Western lens. Yeah. Fear is a teacher. Well, it, it should be. And, you know. That's <laughs> how we tend to learn, yeah. Pe people... I had a woman try to shame me one time because I would make noise pop on the baby's diaper. That was not to hurt the baby. It's she didn't even feel it. It was the noise that would scare her into stopping so that I could keep her safe, you know, keep her from doing something that would hurt her. And this woman was just like, I can't believe you would use fear to, to teach your child. You just, I was like, hey, lady. They're adults. <laughs> They're well-adjusted adults. I think it worked. They made it through childhood because I taught them what they should fear. 
Well, I mean, <laughs> fear is powerful. I mean, kids kids don't if you, they don't fall down, they don't know how to get That's up. True. You gotta they you can't put them in plastic wrap all the time. They gotta yeah. Uh, they gotta <laughs> they gotta break my some parents bones, tried some it didn't work I let my kids learn things but no you know I mean if they're headed for something like they're about to grab something hot and you know and, and they're not listening to the no yeah you pop them on the diaper you make that noise well sure but otherwise they're gonna stop. burn their little hands yes. it's like yes you but I don't know questioning people's parenting it's I don't have kids I don't have a dog in the race mm. you know so it's like yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm there's no, I have no dog in the fight. We're all going to make mistakes. We don't know which ones we made until our kids tell us how much of a fuck-up we were. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, hey, so I want to try to always spin it back to religion or God or something metaphysical or esoteric. Uh, here, here's a crazy question. Uh, people who want to commit suicide, should we care? Right? Like, if they want to take themselves out, there's too many of us. What are Why the do, we, do we care? They want to. Does it matter? I mean, so I work with suicidal teens. Oh, my goodness. I did not even know that. Uh, yeah, that's a big part of my job. And so it's a tough question um, because I know that mental illness is often illness and it is something that people can move past and grow from. And I like I was suicidal as a as a kid and a teen. And so. I don't know, like, I guess I didn't personally get help for that, but I know there's a lot of people who've come through our care who, if not for us, would have killed themselves and have now grown in to a place where they are past that cool. and are thankful for our care. And so I think that, I don't know, it's, it's like a child not wanting to eat. Like, it is still your responsibility as a human, as a member of their community, to make sure that they do. And so I think with suicidal ideation or suicide attempts especially for teens and 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 younger even like i i do think that it that is a part of our responsibility as a community to help them with that right, All right. Cause the message to teens really is it does get better yeah you know, <laughs> i was bullied i went through a lot of that trust it gets better i mean yeah you know, I, I, I now stand on a stage and make two or three hundred people laugh every once in a while I, I, I was playing I more de devil's advocate. I mean, I was I was suicidal I as a teen too. But I, there's a there's this group online, and they're called the the anti-humanists, and they're like, save the world, kill yourself, <laughs> and it's <laughs> all about like the, everything's falling apart, and the best thing that we can do mm. is is uh, is take ourselves out. And I'm like, whoa. I see that as satire. Uh, it, it's a real thing though, and they don't like. I can see. It I just try to too, continue to see, see it as satire. Let me keep my yeah. perspective. Yeah, sure. <laughs> no, it's just perspective. I mean, I definitely think there are people who are in positions where they have decided that their life is not worth living anymore, and if they are in like a healthy state of mind and they've just made that decision for themselves, that's that's definitely a different conversation. So, like euthanasia, no problem with that. Euthanasia, sure. Like, well, I don't. I, I don't. Yep, on the record, no problem with that. Like, there <laughs> obviously, there's a lot of context for these things sure yeah i worked at a nursing home in in colorado and yes we, some of our patients uh chose assisted suicide and in every case i see why they made that decision mm. and i would stand by it yeah there, i mean I there would comes a point I where terrible cancer uh, i take I'd yeah be like i'm not i don't want you should have the choice whether or not you have to endure that one more day 
who it, you know why should someone else be able to make that choice but yes in a situation of teens it gets better hang in there <laughs> hang you in know. there kids there, there's a difference between medical podcast. reasoning and you know i don't see a good future just just keep looking it'll be there yeah i mean we do live in the united states there is there <laughs> there are measures that life life can't get better I'm trying to think of other things that have to do with religion. Uh, any, I mean, I'm sorry. I've been doing this. This is. I think this is like the 42nd hour of <laughs> of oh podcasting that have, have we've done. Did you talk much in the last hour of like how you were raised? And oh, I was. I was raised super Christian. Okay. Like, super, super, super. Drink the Kool Aid, Jesus. Yeah. Where did you grow up? Danville. Which is here, Bay Area, the okay. uh, really, really wealthy part of the Bay Area. Mm. Yeah, I was uh, a capitalist pig and didn't even know it. Mm. I thought I was poor. You were <laughs> just a piglet. I was just a piglet, yeah. I didn't even know. I thought that 90210 was just like what everybody experienced because wow. that was like what my high school was like. I, we right. wore some of the same outfits, everyone was driving the same kind of cars, right. everyone was very wealthy, and I was like, I only drive a Hyundai. Mm. Yeah. I'm poor. Yeah. My parents only gave me a brand new Hyundai for my 16th birthday. It's not a Mustang or a BMW, so I'm a pile of dog shit. Mm. So I'm getting a cool. sense that you kind of grew out of the Christian community that you were yeah, brought up absolutely. in? Yeah, absolutely. I did acid for the first time and okay. saw God, and I was like, we're cool, bro. And he was like, yeah, we're fine. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Right was on. All that other stuff was bullshit. We're fine. Was there a lot of, I, I assume there was a lot of tension between you and your family Oh, there that? still is, absolutely. Right. They're all still exceedingly Christian. Okay. Yeah, Fox News. Kool-Aid drinking, are you church going, Jesus singing. Are you able to see positive aspects of that, or is it just a negative Sure. Um, everyone I know from when I was little that's still Christian is super rich, so that's <laughs> probably pretty positive. Yeah. Uh, and they seem to have happy families, mm -hmm. so that's nice for them. Do you feel that that's more of like an appearance-based thing, or are they actually, do you think that they have found... I don't know. Like, they, they definitely appear very Pottery Barn from the outside, right. so it all looks pretty shiny and happy, but yeah. who knows? Yeah. I, don't, I can't lift back the veil on, uh, I mean, right. I, don't, I think I see the hypocrisy in Christianity, and I, it's difficult for me to separate that out. Right. Yeah. Like, it, I mean, even Catholicism, we kill so many people in the name of what, and it's like the top three religions are all the same, come from the same guy, and we, but we hate Muslims. Mm -hmm. Like, they're all Abrahamic, six yeah. monotheistic religions, but we're like, well, but, but your monotheistic religion is just a little bit different from mine, so right. we're going we're to kill you and demonize you and say right. you're bad. And anything that, um, you know, when they took over Ireland, they... Oh, the Protestants called, versus called, the Catholics. They yeah. called everything that uh, uh, was knowledge. They co they considered everything that was science that that the folks knew pagan. Oh, sure. You know? And then when they got Jesus. to the Americas, they burned entire libraries throughout South America. Um, there, they were a lot more medically advanced than than we are now. But we don't know what they did because the Catholic Church burned the libraries because. It was because those dirty not of heathens. God. Yes, it was heathen. <laughs> dirty heathens, ruining everything. When you look at how the Catholic Church has destroyed so much, how can you look at it positively? It's, I mean, it's still a big like money-making people following. I mean, they have their own like nation state yeah. basically. Yeah. 
So how does one dismantle that when it's part of like the universal gestalt and we say, these things are important. And then now we go, well, are those important? But they're still, it's, it, it's like a, we've built a house and the pillars are still there and you can knock down the house, but the pillars are still there. Mm. So you're just using the same foundation and building a different house. Mm. But like, yeah, that foundation is still like based on what? Some weird myth that but we're like, no, no, it's not a myth. It's true. And mm. I believe it this way, but oh, I believe this other strange little nuance. So you clearly, Mormon is Mormonism a cult? I, I, I don't know. Christians say it is. Many say yeah, you know Catholic any Mormons? Church is a cult. Yeah, I, I grew up with a, or not really grew up, but in my high school, there were a few Mormons. I mean, good family people, I guess. I, I don't know. Tends to be. I mean, it's just, it's a ten from what I see from an outsider, it seems like it's really great if it's working for you. And if it's not, it's really terrible because uh. then you become ostracized and you feel very alone and there's, there's not a lot of community support for somebody who is questioning, you know. Right. Simi- probably similar to the Amish. <laughs> probably, but they have that uh, rumspringa thing. Right. You get to take two years and be be a normie yeah yeah and they even have like kind of a, a middle ground where they can go you know and, and kind of be like there's a half and half religion like i, I can't this taste the fruits of the devil and yeah you see the ladies walking around in the mall and stuff with the little bonnets on and stuff like that but they're mm. allowed to have cell phones oh and drive and that sort of thing yeah sure. those are like from from what i gather that's like that middle ground like from amish to it's like jews that eat pork <laughs> 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 I know quite a few. Yeah, hey, me too. I, me, every, a lot of that stuff is contextual, like yeah. pigs rooted in their own shit. And if you add, I mean, the reason that d- there's no the Jews don't eat the shellfish is they were probably getting super sick from shellfish. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and they weren't. The so same reason you don't mix meats because they uh, they have to be cooked at different temperatures. People died from the food poisoning. Sure, and right. that's where I believe a lot of the Jewish diet came from. Is Oh, we don't know why that happened, so we're not. So gonna we're not going to eat that anymore. Or yeah, hey, no more. Hey, individually, these are all great, but we mix them together, people die. So we have yeah, to eat the meat, meat separate. I mean, you know, that's what I'm figuring. It makes sense that like early holy books are they are a combination of like how to survive manuals yeah. meets like spiritual poetry, mm-hmm. and I think if you're reading them like that, they just make more sense and are more valuable. Yeah, because it, it shows you a, like. Like they were saying, like is it's just a context for survival of these desert-dwelling tribes, basically, from the beginning. And they were just like, well, you know, we need to know not to have sex with animals and stuff. And yeah. so they wrote it down. And then, like, <laughs> then they just they started adding on, like, uh, what I think is spiritual poetry or spiritual mythology and just, like, ways of coming to terms with being alive. And some people take that stuff too literally. And I think that's where the problem usually Sure. Ends up. Yeah, the Bible's got some weird stuff. When they oh, yeah. the manna from heaven, I'm always like, what does that represent? That they're wandering around in the desert for 40 years, but every morning God provides them bread from the sky, but you can't save it. You weren't allowed to save it because the next day it would rot. So mm. you had to have faith that God was going to provide you because they were in the desert, which want like every morning they had to go out. And, and I'm like, what Somebody could Somebody was midnight raiding. Well, something was <laughs> something was going on. Somebody was midnight raiding and coming up with some food. I, I mean, really. It was. I know for forty years. Where'd God this gave come from? Don't morning. ask. God what gave it that? to us. Well, right. But so, like, it, when we look at these myths that have been written down, and it's like, well, what was the purpose of that? Is it truly to like 
completely give yourself over to this external being that might like I trust in God. There he is every morning. He's going to provide me food. Mm. Like, what does that gain us for self-preservation? Well, I mean, I think this gets back into kind of what I was saying of, of taking things too literally. Like mm. even if you're questioning it you know, on a literal level, I think, I think you often you're mi- kind of missing the point. Um, and it, it, I, I try to think of it back to what I was saying about a uh, metaphor yeah. is like, this is probably a metaphor, like of of something that they went through and decided to write down or whatever. Um, but you brought up there being weird things in the Bible. Are you familiar with like the Song of Solomon? Oh, love it! Yeah, it's, I used to masturbate to the Song of Solomon when I was a kid. So strange that nobody talks about it. That there's just an erotic poem in the middle of the Bible. Yeah, yeah. Your your breasts are yeah. like two deer on the meadow. Yeah, it's all like I I knelt beneath the shade of his tree and tasted his fruit and stuff. It's, yeah. it's just a it's bunch of it's it's a straight up erotic poem yeah. that nobody talks I about. I used I used to masturbate to that as a child because I didn't have anything else and I was right. I read a lot so it was Song of Solomon for me. Right. I was like the Bible is here. It's sexy. Look, it's <laughs> re- even if I was bored in in chapel, I'd open it up and I'd read the Song of Solomon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's basically it's a it's a love poem from. David to Bathsheba uh, was one of his wives that he stole from someone else or killed her husband or something and then wrote her a pretty poem about. And it's in the Bible. It's all super sexy. Yeah, I don't know. What's that a metaphor for? (laughs) Just getting it on. Getting it on. Got it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's a good. Everybody look up Song of Solomon. Yeah, they never never talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's a little one. I always wondered about the. Lot's wife thing and not right. that Lot's wife turned into a pillar of salt I get that like you're not supposed to have a remembrance of those crazy orgy times don't and look wanting back. you don't look back I get that but after Lot's two daughters and Lot they, they go up and they're hiding in this cave mm. and Lot's <laughs> daughters get Lot super 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 drunk and, and then they have sex with him because they think they're the only people left and they have to keep the Jewish species going on. Right. And species, then they just I don't, I don't end think it's it. a species. Species, I don't know. Or race. Race, race yeah. Jewish. Let's go race. <laughs> I'm the accidental racist. I'm sorry if that triggered anybody. I'm sorry. It's just words coming out of my mouth. But they have sex with their dad. And then, like, everything ends. There's no explanation whatsoever for it. And I'm like, what's the metaphor there? Like, there, no one says, hey, it's bad to get your dad drunk and rape him i mean i I think if if i i'm not super familiar with that aspect of the bible but i think what i'm hearing is the takeaway theme is like keep moving forward no matter what like that has to be like you have you this was a time within i guess the jewish culture where that like it was all about survival as it it tends to be within the jewish culture and so it's like yeah don't look back or you'll get turned to salt and like you gotta fuck your dad. You gotta fuck your dad. Like, just <laughs> wow. keep on trucking. Just keep on trucking. Yeah, for the people, you gotta fuck your dad. It's all good. Yeah, sure. Okay. I mean, that's my takeaway. Just, it's kind of gross. I'm sure there are better ones, but no, I'm digging it. Yeah, it's uh, in Bible interpretation with Lee it's Cox right. here. It's, it's as good as any interpretation I've heard. So yeah, I agree with that. Keep moving forward. Yeah. Never stop. Just keep swimming. Yeah. Thanks, story. That's good. Yeah, good stuff. A uh, couple minutes left here on Some Call Me Tim. And uh, talking about weird <laughs> religious stuff. But, I mean, you're, none of that. What, so what are some, some books that influence you? If the Bible hasn't influenced you at all, what are some of the some of the either? You said Joseph Campbell. So other than yeah. Joseph Campbell um, and yeah. the hero, hero with a Thousand Faces. Hero with a Thousand Faces is super dense but very worth reading. Um, 
I don't know, like in terms of, I'm trying to think of things that have influenced kind of my spiritual being. Um, Joseph Campbell takes the cake on it, but I would say, um, oh, and if you've read Joseph Campbell, I would also recommend, I forget who it's by, but The Hike, real good. Um, it's just a really good laying out of the monomyth. Um, but let's see, um, Eckhart Tolle, uh, okay. The Power of Now and stuff like that has been really helpful to me. And then in terms of just like trying to be a better person, uh, all of Brene Brown's work. I don't even know who that is. You don't? No. Okay. I would really recommend you look up any TED Talks by her. So she was a, um, I believe, psychologist and her, her area of study was shame. It's oh, like, oh why, why? I definitely have to read this. Yeah. It's it's like why we feel shame and, and what it what it means to like live with shame, how shame is different than guilt. And like... Oh. It's it's she just she does actually like a good job of laying out kind of not exactly step by step but like guidelines for living a more what she calls wholehearted life like a shameless life hopefully not, not, yeah somewhat shameless to some degree but also just a life that is more full it, it, it's one that we can be authentically ourselves and things like that so I I really recommend like if you're if you're feeling like you can't fully be yourself or or there's just like something missing between you and i don't know living authentically like her her and it's research like that's the nice thing about it is it's all rooted in research um she just talks to people who are living more fully and contrasts that against people who are living less fully and like what are the differences and sure so and i what is a what is living a less full life like watching t 12 hours of tv day obviously or well, like yeah well i mean it's it's just like not not feeling fulfilled in what you're doing and not having the necessarily like the power to change that and just just living living inauthentically th like living through creeds that you don't fully believe oh. things like that because you're ashamed of like being pushed to the outside of whatever social group you're in so you you just kind of go with the flow I don't want to use the term sheeple, but that that kind sure, of thing, like sure. how you can overcome that and like what that looks like, what that process is going to be like. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Brene yeah. Brown. I really recommend her. Yeah. Sh I, I don't, I've never thought of shame being different than guilt. Well, yeah. I mean, guilt is what well, she describes it as guilt is I've done something bad versus shame is I am a bad person. Oh, wow. So guilt is very useful if you have harmed someone or done something wrong because you can learn from that. Whereas shame, if you think I am a bad person, there's no there's no quick response to that. There's no helpful response to feeling like you are a bad person. There's no way right. to grow from that. And the thought process leads down two different paths. Right. Well, I, I constantly tell myself I hate myself. I've been trying to, s to change that diatribe in my mind. Like right. there's no reason to have that be the first. Like even if I'm like, joking through oh i hate myself but it's like wait a minute those yeah, words have power and meaning. Why, yeah, the, why? the more you hear it the more you say it the more it will become right right and it, it leads to greater inaction like it leads to less positive growth because i hate myself well then why bother to be a better person because i sure. hate i hate myself i don't want you know i don't want somebody i hate to prosper in any way right so it's changing the <laughs> the narrative, the narrative yourself, yeah, yeah the personal narrative oh, yeah. why would you i mean why does it matter if somebody you hate prospers because i want them to suffer if i hate them ah and so if you hate I yourself, mean, if you hate I, yourself. I, guess, I, I guess i've suffering. just never 
felt hate to that level. I mean, get on but it. Yeah, <laughs> get on it. It's no, then it I'm just kidding. Sometimes <laughs> I use. Sometimes I used in the past. I used that self hatred as a um, springboard. A springboard or, for yeah. creativity. And sometimes. in fact, when I was a poet, I'd I'd specifically make myself. I notice patterns now because this was like ten years ago. I notice patterns now that so I'd make myself unhappy because mm. it made me. It hadn't gave me more things to write about. Right, but and that that inner tension can be good for creativity. But I think if anyone anyone who has lived with like long term inner tension and then moved past it, they know that you can create so much more easily and prolifically without that. Right, like exactly. We, we have that idea that like, well, without without my depression, what am I like? look at a depressed person like meet a depressed person and see how creative they are like how how productive they are like y it's not like you don't still have those experiences of self-hatred once you come out of depression right. you're just now able to talk about it and sure. create artwork around it yeah as opposed to i was specifically using though like i was putting my i can see it now with perfect clarity because you know just the future and that was the past <coughs> but how i was specifically putting myself in situations mm -hmm. that i would then write about and be like oh it's such a good point but if i don't if i don't have this like this horrible thing in my life that can i how can i create without being unhappy mm -hmm. like i felt like with uh, there was i was like you can't be a poet and be happy you can't write poems about happy things those mm -hmm. aren't like meaningful to people uh I mean, that's not true either. Those are the ones I'm drawn to. <laughs> from a place of happiness, you can r still write about your state of unhappiness. Like you have greater, a lot of the time, you have a, a greater perception about it. You have greater oversight of view on what it was. Yeah. You know. Ugh. It, it's like you're you're like the shaman of the afternoon. You've brought the calm <laughs> back to the space. I feel like we should burn some sage or some shit. <laughs> Do some. <laughs> Do some weird witchy shit. We'll, we'll, we'll spark some more weed. Uh, hey, we're here at the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2020. Uh, this is another Some Call Me Tim. I'm joined by Lee Cox and April Gallaty and Billy Joe Gillespie. Tonight is a show at El Rio, doors at 8.30, show from 9 to 11. I hope everybody comes. It's going to be real, real fun. And, uh, yeah. what uh, What's just a totally, we'll try to end on something happy. What's your favorite thing about San Francisco thus far, Lee? Everything about San Francisco. I mean, I've just been walking around a lot and kind of enjoying. Well, I mean, the weather is nice. Yeah, <laughs> That's right. like having grown up in the Pacific Northwest. Like, it's it's just nice for it to be sunny out. Um, but I don't. There's just a lot going on. Um, yeah, there's there's just I I haven't. I've explored mostly just through walking around and like looking at stuff. But I'm I'm hoping to go to like an art museum later today and things like that. Just kind of cool. taking. A little bit more. I like the uh, I like the cable cars too. They're cool. Yeah, I like the old timey cars that go down market because uh, yeah. I like to think about, you know, in 1940, who was riding this car mm. and where were they and like were they going to work? Yeah. What were they doing? I love old timey shit. So the there's a free museum if you like old timey rail cars and stuff like that. Mm. The Muni has a free museum oh, cool. that's at the middle of that Muni line. It's right by the ferry building. And they have all kinds of cool old-timey pictures of San Francisco from like the Gold Rush days when they mm. started doing – how they started with the trolleys and they were horse-drawn. Mm. And they'd go down to Playland on the beach and mm. they'd go down to the beach and then how that became the Geary 38. Anyways, I love buses. I'm, I'm like almost on the spectrum because I love Muni so much. <laughs> Public transportation, yeah. But 
that's a free one to check out. But also, cool. like, the MoMA is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was there the other week. The third Thursday of the month in San Francisco, there's free museum days. You can go anywhere you want. Oh, wow. Uh, they're all open. They're all free. So um, You should do the festival next year on the th- to encompass the third Thursday because that would be pretty cool. I mean, we'll see what the calendar looks like next mm. year. But, yeah, because it's – yeah, there's all kinds of – also, if anyone's on food stamps – you can show them your food stamp card, and you can get you and up to three people in at almost all of the museums in San Francisco as well. Oh, wow. So I don't know if anybody's on – if anyone else is on food stamps. Do you know <laughs> if that would work with out-of-state cards? I don't see why not because okay. food stamp cards are uh, federal. Federal. Hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so hey, everybody, go see some go see some art. Dope. Yeah, dope stuff. Uh, hey, does anybody want to plug anything from their other life, like podcasts you do or – Things you run out in wherever you are. I'm going to be in Youngstown, Ohio, the 18th through the 21st for the World Series of Comedy Competition. Cool. Youngstown, Ohio. And I'm going to be on the Comedy Project in Denver, which is going to be a really... I don't know what channel it's going to be on yet, but... Probably, probably you can find it on YouTube after. (laughs) Most likely. (laughs) You can find everything there. Uh, do you what do you what do you do up in Portland for fun? For fun? No, no. I, mean <laughs> I feed wise. crows. That's it. <laughs> feed uh, crows. Uh, I don't run anything. I just do mics and shows and travel around a little bit. Sweet. Uh, my Twitter handle. I'll just throw it out. Lee underscore Cox with three X's. Triple X. Yeah. Awesome. April, what do you do up there? Um, I am going to be in North Carolina in Greensboro for the North Carolina Comedy Festival, uh, March twenty third through the twenty seventh. You are a festival fiend. I love it. I love it. I've made so many connections and friends, and yeah, I've learned a lot over the past couple of years. I'm taking, this is the last one. North Carolina is my last one this year. I'm taking a break from that. I'm going to stick to the Pacific Northwest, I think, for a while. Good stuff. Well, yeah. Thank you I'm all. I'm loving oh. the travels. Um, let me throw out my Instagram yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. It's BJ Gillespie. That's G-I-L-L-I-S-P-I-E. Comedy. Yeah. And uh, get those followers. Thanks for listening to Some Call Me Tim. Coming up at 4 o'clock, we have Like an Adult Podcast with Mike Nordstrom and Chris Ferdinandson. And don't forget tonight to come to El Rio. It's going to be an amazing show. I'm super excited. Polly Pop-Tart, the amazing drag queen introduction drag queen she's going to be hosting. And I'm super excited for everything at the festival. Buy your tickets now for our shows all here at the station starting on Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. All kinds of great people. And thanks for joining us, everyone. Yay! Thanks so much, Pam. your boy Sifo here, here to let you know that the 5th Annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival is March 1st through 7th, 2020 with special podcasts and comedy shows 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. all week. Get your tickets now on Eventbrite. Just search Mutiny Radio and get ready for 76 comics from all over the U.S. coming for 66 programs in 7 days all here at 2781 21st Street in the heart of the mission. Or if you can't be with us, listen live or podcast from anywhere in the world at www.mutinyradio.fm. Join us March 1st to 7th for these amazing events.
Gotcha. Law Tigers, we fight for motorcyclists. We're not just motorcycle lawyers, we're part of the riding community. Law Tigers watches over riders. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, we'll help you get your motorcycle repaired or replaced and assist you with your damaged gear, too. We're by your side every step of the way. With the Law Tigers, you never ride alone. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, call 1-800-LAW-TIGERS or visit us on the web at lawtigers.com. The Law Tigers, California's motorcycle lawyer. Victor Terrace, Harris Law Firm, LLP, 180 Circle, Suite 300, Sacramento, California, 95824. Dentists are just liberal propaganda. Are you telling me a fact right now? I'm telling you a 100% fact. You hear the news? I like an adult podcast. You hear the news? I like an adult podcast. Handsome, tall, athletic. You slobs just <laughs> getting it on, dude. Being so bad that even your parents can't stay together. 690 pages of just 69ing on a beanbag jet. <laughs> Smack, smack, like a fucking frog. Hey, it's 8 o'clock, and we're here with a very special podcast. We're just, Kasim Bentley's here. He's going to spit some knowledge to some uh, new comedians that have questions and things and stuff, and, and how exciting that he's here. There's a, he has a new starting on Sundays from 4 to 6 called... White slavery, right? Hoorah! <laughs> yeah, it's it's more than you think, but it's kind of what you think. You know what I mean? It's all there. Well, it's we, provocative. It's very provocative. Wait, where are you going, Jay? I'm going. Where are you going? Next mic. Which mic are you going to deliver? The dentists are just liberal propaganda. Are you telling me a fact right now? I'm telling you a 100% fact. It's your boy Sifo here, here to let you know that the 5th Annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival is March 1st through 7th, 2020 with special podcasts and comedy shows, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. all week. Get your tickets now on Eventbrite. Just search Mutiny Radio and get ready for 76 comics from all over the U.S. coming for 66 programs in seven days all here at 2781 21st Street in the heart of the mission. Or if you can't be with us, listen live or podcast from anywhere in the world at www.mutinyradio.fm. Join us March 1st to 7th for these amazing events. What kind of a future? Law Tigers, we fight for motorcyclists. We're not just motorcycle lawyers, we're part of the riding community. Law Tigers watches over riders. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, we'll help you get your motorcycle repaired or replaced and assist you with your damaged gear, too. We're by your side every step of the way. With the Law Tigers, you never ride alone. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, call 1-800-LAW-TIGERS or visit us on the web at lawtigers.com. The Law Tigers, California's motorcycle lawyer. Victor Terrace, Harris Law Firm, LLP, 180 Carmenic Circle, Suite 300, Sacramento, California, 
got podcasts and you can listen on the go. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. Mutinyradio.fm. Why not make a donation? Mutinyradio.fm. Streaming live the station. Mutinyradio.fm. District of the Mission. Mutinyradio.fm. Mutinyradio.fm. Listen to live streaming radio. Or download a podcast and you can listen on the go. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. Look, why not go to mutinyradio.fm, hit the donate button, stream them live, download a podcast, have some fun! Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on mutinyradio.fm for Let's Watch a Full Length Movie on YouTube. We watch the best movies that, uh, aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by uh, Here's you. his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch What's happening? This is your boy, Rob Edwards. I'm here to tell you about the 5th Annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. It's March 1st through the 7th, 2020, with special podcasts and comedy shows 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. all week long. Get your tickets on Eventbrite. Just search Mutiny Radio and get ready for 76 comments from all over the U.S. Coming for 66 programs in seven days, all here at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission, or listen live or podcast from anywhere in the world at Mutiny Radio. FM. Join us March 1st through the 7th for these amazing events. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be like in front of an audience? Like a- The dentists are just liberal propaganda. 
Are you telling me a fact right now? I'm telling you a 100% fact. You hear the news? I like an adult podcast. You hear the news? I like an adult podcast. Handsome, tall, athletic. You slobs just <laughs> getting it on, dude. Being so bad that even your parents can't stay together. 690 pages of just 69ing on a beanbag chat. <laughs> smack, smack like a fucking frog. CFO here, here to let you know that the 5th Annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival is March 1st through 7th, 2020 with special podcasts and comedy shows 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. all week. Get your tickets now on Eventbrite. Just search Mutiny Radio and get ready for 76 comics from all over the U.S. coming for 66 programs in 7 days all here at 2781 21st Street in the heart of the mission. Or if you can't be with us, listen live or podcast from anywhere in the world at www.mutinyradio.fm. Join us March 1st to 7th for these amazing events. What kind of a future? Law Tigers, we fight for motorcyclists. We're not just motorcycle lawyers, we're part of the riding community. Law Tigers watches over riding. Dentists are just liberal propaganda. Are you telling me a fact right now? I'm telling you a 100% fact. You hear the news? Like an that <laughs> motley, every day, that though. motley Abel. crew, Abel Jaramillo over here just flipping everybody off, yes. looking like he just no, got really, out of court. I, mean, I don't think it's just you, it's not something you could just do six times a week for like five months and then just assume that you're going to be really good at. Yeah. Or be better at. I mean, it's just. It's it's weird. It's it's a tough way to do it. Like is is it is is comedy something that you actually saw yourself doing your entire life, even as even as a kid, or is this something yeah. that you just kind of grew into? No, I mean I grew into it. I mean I again, you know, I was after high school, I was just going to college, and then I met uh, you know Sammy, one of my buddies from high Sammy school. Sammy obeyed, yes. Not a boy. They're looking for Abel right now. I know. Huh? <laughs> it's not the police. They actually think he OD'd. Like, I know one of these assholes are parked illegally. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're a fire truck. Uh, but the um, the uh, what was it? What was the question? We were talking about uh, the. Oh yeah, was this something? So, was it, yeah, was this something that you saw yourself doing your whole life? Never saw myself. You know, the weird thing about stand up is I never really saw myself doing stand up. I, I kind of wanted to go to law school. My sister's doctor wants a lawyer. I always thought it'd be really fun to be a lawyer because I like uh, I like reading. I like learning up on stuff and. And I think being in a in a courtroom battling some other dude would be hella fun. Right. Um, so that that's something that I was actually focused on doing. But then I met my friend Sam. He was doing stand-up comedy a year into it. Brought me into uh, a couple mics. Um, but that's pretty much that's basically where we started. And then you just get addicted to that, man. What was your what was your do you remember your first, first experience? Time, do you yeah. remember that? Yeah, I did Mission Pizza over there in Fremont. It was like Valentine's Day, yeah. two thousand and nine, I think. So I just go up there and uh, again I invited a lot of my friends. I'm from Fremont, so there's like forty of my friends. Right. And I just remember going up there and just doing like twenty minutes, twenty five minutes almost the first time. 
and I did really well because all my friends were over there. I like killed it. I was like, okay, this is really this is what I should be doing. This is awesome. And then I hit like four mics that week, and it was just like not the case. And that, yeah, it, it hurts, right? It hurts. The world is just all like, uh, I mean, I don't know who Mark is, so this isn't funny. Why are you talking about your friend? <laughs> like, you guys know Mark. I'm like, we didn't go to your high school, sir. Okay, so how do you deal? Like, how do you deal with that rejection? Because because here's the thing about comedy, man. Like, when the crowd rejects you, you feel it immediately. Yeah, it's not like you, you put up a care. You, you you're not supposed to. to I, oh, most definitely. Oh, I don't care. I just yell back at them. Right. I said, I'm sorry, you're not too uh, smart to understand this dick joke, but right. I don't think it's not funny. <laughs> it's a very sophisticated dick joke that's exactly you know, what's going on you're gonna get rejected by hot girls eight times a week who gives right. a shit about the crowd and billings well see that that's, <laughs> you know, that's like, i mean that's a it's great like, what point what i really though. wanted was tanya not for you idiots to like me so i don't give a shit no no but that's a great point though man because yeah. i feel like and i don't know if you feel this way but i feel like when you get accustomed to the feeling of yeah. of rejection of instant yeah. rejection it's easier to go out into the world and yeah. just be as badass as you want to yeah. because it's it can't hurt you it's like it's like being whooped on the back so many times that your back is just numb now yeah, at this point so, i mean do you find it like i don't love you it's it's like, like i don't care you're like i don't love These me either. jokes aren't working kelly i'm at mission pizza i don't love me either okay i know i tell you dude that's that's the thing about it you cannot care about the car you have to rejection even when you get great you're getting rejected i mean there's always going to be rejection you know what i'm saying yeah. i mean even when you blow up there's going to be roles that you're not going to get or tv shows that you're not going to be on even if you're out there killing it right so you got to get quick rejection should be the first thing you should actually think of right so when you're happy when the one rejection doesn't happen you're like you know what things are good <laughs> i'm going to be it's fine like uh, it's like they're serving breakfast after 10 this isn't a victory <laughs> is there is is there like a goal for you though kabir like what what is i i get this question from uh, younger comics like what is that you want to do like what where do you want to be in like five yeah. to ten years what is what is the goal that Kabir Singh has in mind in terms of yeah. comedy or entertainment well listen you can't put a number on when you want to achieve it but like literally my goal is I love doing stand-up comedy that's my thing I would love performing on the road 260 days a year yeah. all over America and the world repeatedly theaters and sell tickets of course fortunately you have to get on television to do that and other stuff that you have to get good at to do what you want to do um but that's that's basically the goal and really honestly the goal i mean of just going city to city and making people laugh i've pretty much already over i've already achieved i mean i get to go i mean i'm not getting paid great and there's a lot of shows that do suck yeah. but i'm still hitting that i still get to go out and make people laugh so it's a lot of fun it would be fun doing it while being getting rich, I guess. That, that would also be dope. I, I'm, Is that the way to say it? Yeah. Is that the right way to answer that question? I think that's the most direct I'd way like to do it. I'd like to get rich doing exactly what I'm what doing I right do. now. What I want to do. Please. <laughs> right now, Please. it's good. Um, I, I, it's, uh, 20 more grand a show would be nice. I know I know you're going city to city, and that definitely is one of the perks of uh, doing stand-up comedy, but you're originally from the Bay Area, area. Um, from Fremont. Uh, my, my question is this, though. Do you think that there is a huge difference between like Bay Area, the Bay Area comedy scene versus out, you know, the rest of the world? And I, know, I yeah. hate to sound pretentious because I know the Bay Area people right. usually sound like, you know, our shit don't stink or something like that, right? But what what is Bay Area comedy compared to somewhere on, you know, in the Midwest or, or down south? We, 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 we are literally at the best – the Bay Area is the best place to get good at stand-up because it's a melting pot, and you're going to get all different kind of crowds throughout the week. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, you could just go in there and do – I mean, there's just so many people here. Right. Uh, people talk about the Midwest like it's easy. They're the easiest crowds. Really? They're happy to see you. It's Arkansas. <laughs> I mean, I hate to be a dick, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're, right. they're, they're, it's way harder to impress and make people laugh at – 
Roosters on a Sunnyvale when the whole Oracle and Yahoo's over there that's just trying to get drunk, or San Francisco with all these guys where you can't say anything at all. Right. You know, they're way harder than going in the – I mean, Bay Area is a perfect place to get good. I mean, this is the best place. You go to different rooms, get good. Midwest, Chicago, Denver, they're the same people. Yeah. Everyone watches the same stuff on television – I mean, it's crazy. Everybody yeah. watches that. And you kind of already know how people think just by watching the news and the shows that are successful and the cartoons that do well. Yeah. They're not totally different of it. When you start going to, like, Glasgow and stuff where your accent, like Scotland, where you're just talking and they're like, I don't know what he's saying. Right, right, right. That's when it becomes an issue. Has, <laughs> has that been an issue oh, for you? Oh, Lord. I went, I lied to this promoter, like, four years into stand-up. He's like, you're a headliner. I'm like, yeah, headline America. Oh, this is great. He's like, yeah, we need to headline these, uh, this, like, UK tour. And I was like, hell yeah. He's like, you got an hour? I'm like, yeah, I got an hour at Tommy T's right. in the San Jose Improv. I'm four years in. <laughs> right. They throw me to Glasgow in, like, Birmingham and I'm just up there like, this is going to be tough. <laughs> I mean, Glasgow, they just stared at me. I've never seen it. I was an hour. And I was good. I still had an hour of good shit. I was yes. doing it. But it was just 45 minutes and people just looking at me like, I don't understand the word that's coming that's out of That's incredible. And I'm like, it's English. Right. And they tell me something. It's like, I don't understand what you're saying. This it's, is it's weird. Two people speaking English, completely different accents. Same I don't know language. what the hell. Yeah. So so what's going on in your mind? I mean, you're talking about going overseas to do comedy. Oh, yeah. And you're you kind of, you know, you're kind of gassing yourself up to this guy by saying, yeah, I got an hour. Oh, I mean, so, so well, all those. Tell the guy it's you're not gonna say no. Too grand a show. Yeah, you're not gonna say no. An hour, sir. Yeah, <laughs> of course. So what Which you, hour would you like? <laughs> what are you thinking in those? What are you thinking in those 45 minutes you where they're the just hour. watching? I'll you? bring it, sir. Well, no, no. What are you thinking in, the, in that time where they, where you're just being judged? <laughs> oh, do, while I was bombing. Yeah. Oh, they immediately knew I wasn't shit the minute I got there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they put me on the first show in London. <laughs> like 30 minutes into that, just sweating. I'm like, so you guys. uh the McDonald's here tastes funny. Right. <laughs> Just Scotland was tough. They didn't understand a word. But you know what? They were so polite. Like I, I they were just so cool that they wanted me to do well. They understand there was a language barrier. They understand that it's not my fault. Yeah. There's a lot more respect for comedians in the UK. Like we're looked at at like there's a lot of TV shows in the UK where they just put stand-up comedians on a panel and they just talk about their Opinions, right? Something right, right. that we would destroy here. Exactly. Like, hey, yes. like the structure over there, comedians are really well respected. So even though I was eating, eating it, and in my head I'm like, this is really bad. They were still not rude. They weren't booing. They were just listening, and they're like, you know, they understood when Prince, to clap. Yeah. But you could just tell as a comedian that, dude, none of this is working, and you're you're not going to get paid. You're not, you're not getting that satisfaction, <laughs> right? You're not scratching that itch. You got a piece of paper over there, man, with some stuff written down. Did you want to read some of that stuff off? Oh no, I want to ask a question. Yeah. Oh, uh, you want? Okay, go, yeah, I want to ask you a couple questions. Oh, you want to ask me a job. question? Because like as a comedian, right? So I've been doing just stand up. Never had a day job while I was doing stand up, at least, other than the telemarketing I did 15, trying to hook up with that girl. Rejection again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the. Um, when you do stand up, when you have like a full time job, dude, yeah. like how do you balance the two? Like, I guess my question is, if you have to do radio in the morning for a big radio show on like a Wednesday, but you get this gig in Arizona that doesn't pay anything, or a gig in LA that doesn't pay anything, but industry is there and you need to be show your face over there to do well, and you got the spot. I mean, how do you pick that? Well, at this point, you know, I I got to a point where um, I had to make a decision. It's like, look, I, I signed this contract to do this radio show that I really enjoy doing, um, but at the same time, you know, if 
if a great opportunity comes up in uh, in L.A. or Seattle or wherever yeah. it may be, you have to make a decision. You have to choose. You well, know, never good opportunities in Seattle. <laughs> well, yeah, or wherever it may be, wherever it may it's be. Right? Pass on the Seattle gig. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna come down to uh, Topeka and see if, see if I can make that make that work. No, um, I mean, it, but again, like when you we so you you just have to weigh the options. You right? just have it's to like, weigh the options. Whichever one is worth it more. I mean, if if it's a big show on a, on on the radio on Wednesday morning and I want to go to L.A. or whatever, but I but let's say they're not paying or let's say I'm not too sure about the booker or I don't yeah. know I don't know the people that well I might side with the radio show right, right. although my first love is stand-up comedy I only got into radio because of stand-up comedy um, that's I kind of I kind of stumbled into into sports talk radio right. and, and morning radio so I know right. where my loyalties are it's definitely towards comedy but yeah sometimes you just got to make a tough decision and, and, what, and what, sometimes you do have to pass up on a gig that sounds cool yeah but you're not very sure about uh, you know, you know you start weighing yes anyway exactly you know, like oh this person's there that person there. you might drive seven hours people. you might drive seven hours to get there oh, and all yeah. of a sudden you're getting bumped nine people you're getting bumped your boss is calling you so yeah, <laughs> where so are you it's just a lot of hard decisions <laughs> man you just you just got to know but i look at it like this it's a good problem to have you know because because you got two things that you love i have two things in, that i love in my life radio and comedy yeah. i get a chance to you know i've worked hard enough to be able to be in, engulfed in both of them so it's a good problem to have but i just have to make the tough decision but radio wasn't your only job doing stand-up though right yeah no no I, before radio like, before i actually did full-time radio i used to sell asphalt for a for a uh, construction company Jeez. i was an asphalt estimator, estimator. I, would, I would go to your parking lot i would measure it all out i uh, were you good at that i was pretty good you, dude, let me tell you something let me tell you something asphalt is a lucrative industry it's imagine. everywhere i mean it's everywhere you really don't think about it until you actually start selling it and then you yeah. look around you're like god damn every single road every single freeway almost all driveways i'm telling you man but you don't notice it until you're actually making money off of it that's gangster so what, yeah what time did you have to go to work for that that was when you're in sales you kind of have more of an open oh, schedule yeah. so, you, so you know you can make your own schedule so that one that, with the big mac all, all the time bro one o'clock that looks like shit yeah Give it doesn't matter keys. it's all cracked up but I got an In-N-Out burger, so I'm good to go. So this is a brand new building. <laughs> Pull your pants up. But what was the worst thing about, all, like, out of all the jobs you had while doing stand-up? And yeah. I still, I, I can't imagine this not being radio just because of the, the timing. But what was the worst thing about any job you had while you had to mix in with stand-up? Ooh, uh, I'd say, okay, I'd say the worst thing about um, this one job I had where I was basically customer service. <laughs> Uh, and I sat in a cubicle all day, and I sold. You, you ever seen the? You ever seen you know, the, the Office? The Office, right? Oh, the, the office. show, The yes. Office. You I know how close. they? You I know how close. they? Yeah, very close. Far away I was well, the Office. I got one word right, actually. The <laughs> Office Space sentiment. That was my life, sitting in that cubicle. I've definitely had that feeling. But just like The Office, the TV show, I actually sold paper products. No way. So I was selling paper plates, selling paper cups. My whole life was paper. It was just a sad state of affairs. <laughs> you, I was just everything in my life was was bendable and breakable and rippable because I, I was just engulfed in this paper world so that that was the worst part about doing that job customer service for a person like me yeah is that i hate sitting down for yeah. hours at a time i hate being quiet for hours at a time <laughs> i'm on the phone and i'm on the computer all day which i cannot just i cannot stand that and it would burn the fat off my soul dude so when i would leave there that's at five o'clock so scary to hear there when i would crazy. leave there at five o'clock yeah. i hated life life I, I, Damn, and, and, and here's the thing. I lived on the same block as I worked on. 
understand that. I lived on the same block as I worked on. This is over on uh, on Cherry Street. So it was like no commute. You would just no, walk. It was just, I would just, every day I wake up, breaths. I walk to work, I'd, I'd burn on the inside, then I'd go home, smoke some weed, cry for a little while, oh, and then and then just listen to sports talk radio and then just repeat in the morning. It was the saddest, Damn, it dude. was the saddest time of my life, you man. You just hated paper? Like you, you, you refused to I write ref- jokes on paper? Yeah. I, now I, I'm like Jay-Z, man. I just freestyle Give everything. Me cardboard. Now. I'm not using this shit. <laughs> cardboard. What I do just, you mean there's no cardboard? Board. Is this the improv? So that was it right there, man. That was that was the uh, the worst. You guys need cement or paper? <laughs> I can't imagine having to do that shit because like it just it's gotta be worse if you do a show. Yes. Bomb. Wake up in the morning. Sell no paper. Sell no paper. <laughs> it's like that was a fun 24. It's a terrible. Yeah, I had a lot of those 24. The, the 72 hour power. The 72 power hours. I guess you see it getting you bumped on a show. It's like you don't know how much I need this. Size. I need this. I gotta sell right. these cups. The paper industry is literally crashing. <laughs> <laughs> They've got these notes on the phone now. It's just... This is crazy, man. What's the single worst moment of your life at a day job other than getting fired? Ooh, single worst moment of my life. Um, I worked at a liquor store for a long Damn, time, dude, how actually. How many jobs did you oh, have? I've had dude. many jobs, my friend. How old are you here? Like uh, nine? I, I, I mean, I've, t- I've done everything, man. I've, I worked... My first job was when, when I was hit? 11 years old. Ooh, no. Oh, what were you doing at 11? At 11 years old, I was Legally. stocking... I was stocking beers and soda. That is so illegal now. I'm, su- I'm not even supposed to touch the beer, but I was stocking beers and soda, and, and by the time I was 13, I moved myself up to the register, and I was working the register. You moved yourself I was, up? Well, I mean, I had worked myself <laughs> yeah. up to the register, right? You became right? manager at 11 and a half. <laughs> I'm going to fucking start working the cashier. I'm assistant manager at 12. Beers are heavy. I was. Like, hey, hey, real question about the beer. You ever fucking? Did you ever slide a beer in? Did oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, dude. I said I got a drunk Rudy watching dude, Dodgers. First, first time I got big. drunk, I snuck some club mudslides out of the liquor store, and I drank them on the side of the liquor store next to the dumpster, and I got super drunk, and then I went home to go play Nintendo all day. It was it was crazy. That's the life, dude. That was the real life. Before rejection. When I was 13 years old, I worked my way up to the register, and the funniest thing ever, dude. They used Who's to, the boss? Sorry, Indian? My, no, this uh, this uh, Italian. Because I know some Indian. Italian like, dude. what are you? How old? <laughs> 22 okay well you can sweep you don't look Mexicans are getting younger by you look 10 but okay grab the beer he was, he was a, he's an Italian guy that's Italian actually dude. been in this neighborhood uh, for a long time and they've owned the shop for a long time he gave me a job at 11 because I used to go in there all the time and, and, and buy baseball cards and I got that was my first job when I was 13 years old Kabir I was asking grown men for their ID that's be- before I sold them their malt liquor I would have stole that liquor you probably would have whooped my, my ass at 13 dude I, I used I used, I used to, at 13 years old, I used to be like, hey, man, here's a, I need to see your ID. And then they, like, pull out their wallet halfway. Yeah. And then they think about it and look at me and be like, let me see your ID. Yeah. Where's your ID at, you know? And, but that was just, that was my job at the time. Where's but, your father? I need cigarettes. You but, can't but handle the, that. The worst time I ever had was when I got robbed. I got robbed in the liquor store, man. Robbed at the liquor store? Yeah, I, got, I had a gun placed right so to your cheek. And you're like, thir- how old were you? No, I wasn't 13. I was like Actually, I worked there for a long time, so I was probably like 19. 19? Yeah. That's still pretty young now. Yeah, still, young. still pretty bad. I had a gun pressed up to my Is this cheek. Another and liquor store? You no, worked same there for liquor 14 store. Years. Same liquor store. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You worked there from 11 to 9? When did you leave? I, dude, I used to work there, like, you know, Damn, sporadically. Shut that shit down. You got to leave. I've been here since I was 11. <laughs> right? I'm like chaining Fuck myself McDonald's. to the wall. Spill <laughs> that somewhere else. That was it, man. That was, that was probably the single worst time. I mean, Jane I've had Rob, some pretty bad jobs. going through your head? Uh, I'm going to die. Was he Indian? At no, least? he was. I think I'm pretty sure he was black. 
Give me all of your shit. Yeah, he's, everything, <laughs> dude. Everything. I, I, I just opened up the register and just started handing over handfuls of yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. Like, what are you gonna do? You know, I don't care. Yeah, you know, I'm trying to live. Here. I'm trying to survive. You know. Sir, I've had my puberty in here. If you think you're walking out <laughs> here with a fucking dime, I've got another thing coming. All right, I have to get high and play Nintendo in four hours. <laughs> yes. I can't have you taking my boss's shit. Oh my god. That sounds like a That's terrible the one, man. day, dude. That's what the did you one. do after you got robbed? Uh, I just basically stood there stunned for yeah. about 15 minutes. Um, people, people. Were, I didn't even call the people police. People were coming in, sir. People were coming in. There was like a long line of people lining up, and I was just sitting there, like just stunned for like 15 to 20 minutes. And I couldn't believe. Can what I happened. just get a sticker bar? I know you just got robbed, but I really need the sticker <laughs> bar. My wife's being a bitch. It was rough, man. <laughs> it was rough. That that, but that was the bottom. That was hands down the worst moment. Hands down. There's no. What else could it be worse? You told the ultimate tale of it. Actually, what to, could be worse? Actually, Something to be honest with you, cut my hand off. To be honest with you, now when I think about it, sometimes I think about the fact of how I actually hated my life. Yeah. When I worked at the paper company. Right. Versus that one moment where I was scared for my life. Yeah. And honestly, man, I think maybe hating your life for about four worse. years was probably still worse than having a gun pressed to your face at and 19. Yeah. Could you imagine? That was, that was one moment of terror and a lifetime of stories. I got to tell you. That right there was four years of my life that I robbed. wasted that I just, I can't get back. I got to rob somebody. I got to rob God. I paper. Give me all your leads. <laughs> Trevor, this is, it's way too early for this. Is that a gun? Oh, man. <laughs> No, that's got to be badass. I couldn't imagine doing. I couldn't imagine being robbed at a liquor store. Yeah, I would definitely give them all the money, but I would also like. You gotta I give would it be up. Doing something weird, like giving them tickets to shows too. You gotta give it up, man. <laughs> hmm? Are we gonna do the? Uh, they said just stop talking, and we're gonna do. Oh, do we? Because it's like ten twenty-one. Or yeah. Oh, we can keep talking. This is dynamite oh. shit. No, they. Hey, they told me. Hey. They told me not to stop. They just, or not to say anything. Just stop and then get back in there. Hell yeah. You want to go deeper? I'm on fire. All right, <laughs> These stand-up jokes are going to be terrible. We're not going to okay, eat no, any of that. Keep rocking. That's why I, I don't want to say anything. We'll just keep you it going. You guys need a break? The walls are okay? coming down. <laughs> They're opening up. You got more questions? Oh, shit, it's almost 10.20. It is 10.20. That's, that's, why, that's why I did that. But shit. if you got more questions, keep it rolling. Is there anything else you want to ask? Anything funny you want to just end it with? What's your frame? I'll, I'll, I'll wrap it up with something. Oh, let's... Well, for how long? Yeah, let's let's do that. I'll I'll intro. Do you want me to ask you that? Yeah. Could you do me a favor? Could you just bring in um, yeah, who your favorite comedian? Yeah, you could ask me uh, who my favorite comedians were. All right. And then I'm just gonna uh tell you the fact that I never watched stand up until I started it. Okay. Cool. Okay. Jay, you gotta call it, man. <laughs> All right. You guys ready? All right. We're set. All right. All right, it's the Rare Formcast here with Rudy Ortiz and my guest, Kabir Singh. We've been talking about everything today, man. We got into sports. We even made some bets today. Yes, we did. We've been talking a little bit of comedy uh, for the last couple of minutes. Um, but I want to ask you, though, man, you know, of course, you're doing your thing. You're going everywhere and, and just making a name for yourself. But what are some of the names in comedy um, that you either looked up to or admired or were really into yeah. their, their style? What, what are some of the names that, that, that come to mind? Yeah, a stand-up. I was a super late bloomer when it came to stand-up. I don't think I started watching stand-up until, like, Maybe I think the first stand-up comedy I've ever saw on TV was like maybe six months before I went on stage. Wow! And it didn't didn't blow me away or anything. I couldn't even tell you who I saw actually, but I did see it. But um, the first live show I ever did was the Rooster Teeth Feathers comedy competition when right. Sammy won it. Right. And then I saw that that was my first live comedy show. And then I went back and I started watching stand-up. And really, I mean, that was not you know it was like Dave Chappelle, Dane Cook, those guys. I mean, it sucks whenever I talk to old school people. They just hate me immediately. Because they five yeah. seconds of talking. What kind of comedy do you like? Ah, I started watching that about uh, nine years ago. 
because they don't like the fact that you're. They probably feel like, oh, this guy. Yeah, and I went back. I mean, I knew the, the social pressures of knowing. I mean, I went back and watched the stand up from like Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy and stuff like that. But I don't think there was. It's weird. Like as a comedian, I'm sure there was a comedian that inspired you to. to to do stand-up, there's really there's not like a comedian I could pinpoint and be like that's the reason why I do stand-up comedy or that's who I want to be. It's kind of weird, but no, my, mine is Paul Rodriguez because, and I say that because what? no, let me tell you why because that was the Edit first. That actually, I know Paul really well. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> no, Paul is still out there. Paul is still out there doing he's his thing. Dude. But he's, I mean, just being like a being like a young Mexican kid, like listening to watching a lot of stand-up comedy because I loved watching comedy as a kid, right? right? But then when I saw Paul Rodriguez, he came out with an album a long time ago called Macaroni or Mac and Cheese or Mac Macaroni and Cheese. I think it's yep. called Macaroni and Cheese, um, and that was the first first ever CD or anything audio that I actually ever purchased. What year was that? I don't want, I want to say Were 19... you 11 working at the liquor store? <laughs> oh, yeah, my, it was my liquor store money. Um, I, I want to say like 1994, 93, okay. wow. something like that. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I bought that. I went to Suncoast. I, I bought it at Suncoast. Uh, bought the CD, bought the album, and that was it right there, man. Once I heard Paul Rodriguez, I was like, this is... You this ever is, work with this him? This is cool. No, never had a chance to work oh, with him. Really? I've met him a couple of times, but never... I saw him at, over at, uh, at the radio station, came in. He came in a couple of times to do um, some... Nice. Sets, yeah, real, real nice guy, real cool That's guy. Cool. That's cool that you have that kind of guy. Because when I was growing up, there was no. Indie, I mean, for you, I mean, I, I don't sure if it was just because he was was uh was well Hispanic, him, him being I mean, Mexican definitely helped the situation for did, me but like I mean, it a, probably wasn't the game breaker but for me like Russell didn't blow up till like 1999 right. and I don't think I really watched his stuff until way later until they already blew up but yeah yeah it's cool man stand up is great there's a lot of great comedians I, I like watching the comedians that are just. Uh, that, that just I get to work with I mean there's so many it's crazy going to like when you're doing a show in like Chicago and Boston just your feature and openers alone those yes. guys are like killers some of that. Yes. Like, what is this guy trying to make my life harder right now I don't it, is, is, is the, to be on the same team here there's <laughs> nothing to prove here I mean is that a thing though do you get that <laughs> well, like, like yeah, when dude. you when you featured oh. before do comics ever like say you know what I don't want to know I don't know if Kabir's is the right, right feature because he might blow it out the water then I gotta yeah. follow him uh, there's been the three times I've ever been kicked out of stand up comedy like getting cancelled from weekends there's two of them where from when I was featuring for other comedians, they're like, we don't even want to. But it's so rude to do that because number right. one, I always hated on them. With I was like, that's such stupid, that's so dumb. You're headlining, you should be able to do whatever. And then you'd go there and do it, and then you know they, they wouldn't even ask you to take it down. You just get canceled. But then when I started headlining and started going to like, <laughs> like you know, like Atlanta should do the shows, and I'm just all like, yeah, could you tell this guy to calm down here? <laughs> We're just trying to have a good just time. Just ease up right yeah, now, yeah. yeah. But, like, you know, the feature spot's obviously the easiest opening spot. But, like, uh, it is weird, though. Like, that you, you got to, like... But, again, there's a lot of great comedians out there that, that just are stuck at that spot because they don't have the TV credits to headline. It has right. nothing to do with their stand-up. I was stuck featuring for, like, five years before I got on Stand-Up Revolution. Uh, before that, it was basically just me bearing other headlines. You make enemies doing that; they don't yeah. like you anymore. Do you, do you do you find that do you find that you have like a way of writing jokes or or something that works specifically for you? Because I know that's something that comics you know comics all have a different way of coming up with material. Yeah. What is what is your way? Do you have a formula that works for you? Or? I, I do have a formula, and I think we're gonna try it out actually. Because what I do is I I don't really write like. I don't sit there and have like a structure of the way I write my jokes. What I do is I come up with premises and then I will go on stage ah. or just kind of tell people with my friends, could you listen to me? And then we will build a joke together. Yes. I mean, what happens is someone will give me like uh, – and a lot of times I won't use that specific idea, but someone will show – Something like, okay, what if you do this? Which I'm going to do right now, actually, because okay. I'm going to try this, actually, because I do have a – I've been doing a bunch of sets this week, and there's three jokes that I've been working on. Two, actually, that I, that I want to do. When you come up with the premise, 
you just kind of go out there and say it and you try to help it out. So I got a joke about aliens. I've always wanted a UFO joke, and I've written like five in the past, and they've all sucked. Right. So this is the only one where I thought I came up with a really good premise. So I'm going to throw it out there. And then well, you got a, you got a microphone up. right there, but we actually do have a stage here. Um, we do. With, with the We're microphone set up. You might as well just. Right, let's cut right now. There you go. That was a good bridge, though, right? 30 seconds. Okay, cool. Bridge is good? Yeah, yeah that was good. I'm actually good. I had another one in there, so I'm good. Oh. Uh, should I move? I was actually... Yeah, we got we to gotta move some things around. Anyway. Uh, I was going to say my camera, of course. Cool. Right on. Mike, that way Rudy was doing Right on. Like, well, like, yeah, we're that track. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a wonderful idea, Mr. Monet. I'll be delighted to come. And Mr. Boynton, do you speak for him as well? Mr. Boynton has been spoken for many times. The trouble is he doesn't answer. Oh, you mean about tonight. Yes, Mr. Monet, I feel sure I can speak for Mr. Boynton. Oh, fine. I'll be leaving then. I'll walk you to the door, Mr. Monet. Oh, my address is uh, 9066 Shawm Drive. Try to get there before 10. And I'm sure that as my students say, we will have a ball. <laughs> I'm sure that we will. Yes, until tonight then, Miss Brooks. Stay in the groove. Oh, Natch, Mr. Manet, Natch. <laughs> and Mr. Manet. Yes? Don't take any wooden francs. <laughs> Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, will return in just a moment. But first, here is Vern Smith. Ladies, regardless of age, skin type, or previous beauty care, doctors prove you too may win a lovelier complexion with palm olive soap. But to win this lovelier complexion, the kind men admire and women envy, you must stop improper cleansing. Instead, use palm olive soap the way doctors advised. Remember, 36 doctors, leading skin specialists, advised 1,285 women, many with complexion problems, to use palm olive this way. Some have dry skin, some oily, some coarse looking. Using palm olive soap alone, two out of three won lovelier complexions. Now here's what the doctors advised. Wash your face with palm olive soap. Massaging for one minute with Palm Olive's Soft Lather. This cleansing massage brings your skin Palm Olive's full beautifying effect. Rinse. Do this three times a day for 14 days. It's that simple. But doctors have proved this way using nothing but Palm Olive really works. So forget other beauty care. Use Palm Olive soap alone for a lovelier complexion. For loveliness all over, use big, thrifty bath-size palm olive in your tub or shower. After Mr. Monet left, I tried to get Mr. Boynton on the phone to tell him about the invitation. But ours is a party line, a four-party line to be exact, and every time I picked up the receiver, it was in use. Always careful not to lose my temper, I sat by the phone and drummed lightly on the top of the table until my five fingernails were impaled in the mahogany. <laughs> then I tried it once more. As sure as my name is Lucy Schofield, that's the only way to treat man, Emma. Believe me, if I had to do it all over again, Emma, I'd, oh, excuse me a minute, dear, I think a snowball rose burning in the kitchen. Now, that's a coincidence. And if you're listening to Mutiny Radio, you've made a great choice because they're still filming this cool thing. Yay! The rare form cast. Here we go. Uh, are you gonna Are you gonna cover around now? Are you gonna start on this side, or are you gonna? I'm gonna start on this side. You are gonna start. On this side. I'm gonna get out of the way. Um, that's what I was thinking. 
The, I was gonna say my camera died right when Rudy was doing his little intro. So I'll, that. I'll grab Rudy. Okay. Okay. Yeah, perfect. trying to demoralize you're, him you're demoralizing him and you're telling him how he you know his you know the tiger you've seen the stripes bro right this isn't in your future right i don't see why you need to sign up for something like this you think you're gonna be able to get up and, and handle going and doing this job and you know okay you you gotta kind of treat it as you're a blue collar and this blue collar worker just says i can so you want me to say okay so i'm talking about okay to where it's maybe a little bit offensive yeah you know what i mean am i trying to be funny or am i just trying to you, you, you can do whatever you want. Okay, cool. What are you doing? Stay straight. 
you just you, you just want to kind of have yeah. uh, more of a disgusted undertone. Okay. Yeah. Of like, bro, I love you. Yeah. No, they can't This isn't you. And then can I stand up and walk away like, <laughs> like walk cro- like like leave him when I'm done talking to him? Can I just? Or you yeah, want to stay here? Leave him dusted, like, uh, like, like, use that you as know, a I, mean, I think it. that's a little too stagey. Okay, cool. Uh, just stay here? You guys are still friends, for fuck's cool. sake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, gonna, well, that's what I was asking. I was like, how, he I'm like, 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 how hard are you going to go? But I see what you're saying. No, no, no. You're not going to tell him to lock up after, you know, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he just wants to be more disgusted with you. when I feel like, you know... Okay. You can run that by me real quick. He's going to... So after, okay, after the stage shit... You're gonna come back in here. He's gonna say, uh, you know, okay, I gotta get out of here. I'm gonna go pick up Jay. Jay Rich, go try to do his job with him at the barbershop. I'll see you later. You can, you'll wrap it up. Thank you for coming. And you'll say, okay, I'm clear. And then you'll kind of speak straight with him. Don't be, don't be like fucking a dick, yeah. Mean or anything. Yeah. No, you can like, be a little bit mean. But just, you but be just truthful, mean like how we yeah, are. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, just be straightforward. Yeah. Like the show is off now. I don't have to be fucking Mr. Show. Right. I can yeah. just be real with you. I like the angle of Be real as a friend. Yes. Yeah. This, this isn't gonna work. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What's not gonna work? Like you trying to be, you trying to do the day jobs. Yeah. Should we just? Oh yeah. That's my motivation. Like I'm always gonna be my Like I know you. I've seen you work. Before can't respond. I can say that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 back. Uh, oh, I can say that. It's, it's your reaction. It's your reaction. I mean, it's, you know, however you want to play that. That's fine. However you feel about this shit, yeah. honestly, should come through. I'll show you. I'll show you, world. Father. Yeah, you <laughs> I'm sorry. Where am I? I went blind with rage. Oh, do I? Are we already? We're still sitting. Yeah, you're sitting. You're, you're doing the. You're, you're setting them up again for the stage shit. The stage shit, yeah. And then we're gonna do that part. Come here, look. So I'm gonna start off with the process, and then you mentioned yeah, jokes. Speed. Okay. Oh, is that what we're we doing? Yeah, I'm gonna start process off. Process like, to jokes again? No, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna be Got like, tell me about your process. No, yeah. Okay. And I just walk out and do the stage. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the thing, Kabir. Like one of the things that I get asked a lot from other comics, and really just like normal, you know, audience members in general, yeah. uh, is about the process for for actually coming up with the material. Do you have a process for your material? Yeah. I mean, I don't really have a structure on how I'm going to write stuff. Uh, what I do is I come up with premises. And then what I'll do is this, I'll just randomly just kind of go hit up the open mics, throw them out there, see what comes up the top of my head. Um, and then, you know, other comedians, you know, in the community will kind of help you out uh, and, and stuff like that. So sometimes it could be like brainstorming when you're yeah, talking about tagging yeah. and stuff like that. Well, once you get the premise, you can kind of go up there and figure out what you want to do. And then you, once you say it out loud, you kind of hear it and kind of right. figure it out. It's, it's better than just a pen and pencil, uh, a, a pen and paper, because you don't, you just, you don't hear it. You know I mean, it's saying? interesting because that's usually the, that's, that's the conventional method. People want right. to sit down quiet place yeah. don't want to be interrupted I need to put my thoughts right, right. onto the pad but you're saying that you're really just coming up with the premise right. and then making it making it grow from there exactly like I'm going to go I'm going to do this right now there's like two jokes that I want to try out that I've been that I've been working on okay. mentally but um, you know you're just going to go out there and do it but most too many comedians are afraid of going up there and just bomb it and just coming up with ideas. That's the whole point of this. So. That's real. That's real. So, so, so and you could actually help me write this joke. I want to be a part I, of this. I will walk you through the joke, and then I will also tell you where I need help with. All right, take your take your bits. Right. Hit that stage that we got set up at the front of the room, and uh, and then we'll go from there. 
Kabir Singh. Wow, I didn't, I didn't think we were going to get a chance to see uh, Kabir Singh live in action. Actually, actually doing, being a part of the process, I'm excited by this. You come up with a premise, and then you just throw it out there and figure it out. Like, um, Kabir Singh, ladies and gentlemen. Kabir oh, Singh. Yeah, 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 coming to the stage, this, this guy. It looks like the same uh, attendance as, uh, as my usual shows, actually. <laughs> I feel very good about this. Um, like, so I have this joke. I've always wanted to, uh, I've always wanted to write a, a joke about aliens, which is uh, kind of weird. But, like, shit. Mm. Right? Improv, yeah. yeah. Yeah, animals. <laughs> yeah, right. Come back with six. Should they be getting six? Uh, how do we want to do that? Do you want to just have them walk out again? Yeah, that'd be great. Try it again. Come on, no problem. Do you want to just walk out, right? Yeah. Can I take this from sports? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to the to the betting. All right, we'll do the process thing again. Then we'll do we do the about. process thing again? Or do I just say, all right, let's do this? <laughs> okay, so. Got it. All right, let's go do this. Let's do it, man. Let's rock it out. I get a chance to actually be a part of your process here, which is going to be fun for me. Cause, uh, yeah. Because this is basically brainstorming right now. Yeah, it is brainstorming. You know, you don't have the whole thing. The whole joke, but you could do it in front of other funny people and they'll help you of out. Of course, ladies and gentlemen, Kabir Singh. All right, so uh, I've always wanted to write a joke about aliens, so I thought this would be funny. Uh, my worst fear in life is to be abducted by UFOs. Mm. Uh, not because I'm afraid of aliens. I don't care about aliens. I'll slap them in the face. Uh, what, what I don't want to do 